You are listening to New City Servant Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep into God's word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of his kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. And today we're going to do a a sermon on the ascension of Jesus because Thursday was Ascension Day. Happy Ascension Day. You guys didn't bring me a card. You know, it's funny. There, there really aren't any cards for Ascension Day. And my, my guess is probably Thursday, Ascension Day, came and left without you even knowing because we don't really know what to do with it. Uh, we, we might even need to know what to do with Pentecost because that's when the Holy Spirit comes. We, we know what to do with Christmas. We know what to do with Easter. But we don't know what to do with Ascension Day. Uh, Christmas is obvious. You get Christmas cards, and Christmas is about the incarnation. When God was with us, Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us. Good Friday, we know what to do with that. Good Friday is the day that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and that he paid the penalty that we deserve. We go from being under the wrath of God to forgiven. That's what Good Friday is about. We know that, and we know Easter, too. Easter's Resurrection Day. We just celebrated that just a few weeks back. And we know that on Easter, Jesus kicked open that tomb and he defeated death so that we could have eternal life. But that also we could be made new creations right here, right now. We could celebrate new life inside of us, the life of the resurrection inside of us through the resurrection. But then there's the ascension. What is the ascension when Jesus was raised up. Does that mean that Jesus walked on water, but now he has the power to fly? Does the ascension mean Jesus is now suddenly into space travel? What is it about? In fact, it's kind of weird because Jesus says, hey, disciples, I will be with you always. And then he leaves. And so we kind of overlook the ascension because we're not sure what it means and we're not sure what to do with it. And yet it is hugely important. And we cannot overlook the significance and meaning of the ascension, first of all, because Jesus talked about it all the time. Jesus talked about the ascension. He taught his disciples about the ascension before it happened. Throughout the book of John, he says things like, I am only with you for a short time, then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. It almost sounds like a riddle, doesn't it? Then in John 16, he says, Jesus says to his disciples, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And then after he rises from the dead, he encounters Mary. And when Mary realizes it's Jesus resurrected from the dead, she says, teacher. And Jesus says this weird thing. He says, don't cling to me, Mary, since I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. The ascension is so strange. Why would he tell her, don't cling to me, when she would not be able to cling to him once he ascended? See, the ascension is just kind of strange, and we don't really know what to do with it. But Jesus talked about it, and so we've got to pay attention to it. But not only that, Jesus' disciples, the apostles, they preached about it. In fact, the very first presentation of the gospel was about the ascension of Jesus. 
Look at Acts 2 with me. Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and he proclaimed to them, God has raised this Jesus. There's a resurrection. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, there's the ascension, and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. And then watch this. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's all about the ascension. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. We don't really know what to do with the ascension, but the apostles thought it was pretty important if in the first presentation of the gospel that they preach, it's about the ascension. J.T. English, though, calls the ascension the forgotten act of Christ. The forgotten act of Christ. In other words, we don't look at it we don't talk about it because we don't really know what to do with it. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, risen Lord Jesus, ascended Lord Jesus, we come to you now and we bow before you. We acknowledge that you are the rightful king. And we pray that you would open up the scriptures to us, that we might understand you, that we might come into a fresh awe of you, that we might feel secure by your power. Change us, transform us, give us hope and confidence and deeper loyalty to you. And all God's people said. Amen. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures for you. The first one's from Matthew 28. This is before Jesus ascends. And it says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The next text is from Luke 24. Then Jesus led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. And after worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. And then one more from the book of Acts. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. The word of God. Whenever someone leaves this world... They leave because they're trying to accomplish something somewhere else. Whenever once someone leaves this earth, it's because they're trying to accomplish a goal somewhere else. In 1961, Yuri Gagarin boarded the Vostek 1. And as a Russian cosmonaut, his goal was to be the first human being in space. 
1961, there had not been a human being in space, and his goal was to accomplish that by leaving the world and doing one orbit around the globe. And he did. He was in space for just two hours, and he accomplished his goal. He was the first human being in space, and he accomplished the first orbit around the globe in those two hours. A more famous space mission in 1969 was when the Apollo 11 landed on the moon. And what was that goal that they were trying to accomplish? The first lunar landing. We landed on the moon, right? That is famous because Lance, or, or sorry, Neil Armstrong, not Lance Armstrong. That would be amazing to see Lance Armstrong going on the moon in his bike. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon, and we know that famous saying that Neil Armstrong said, where he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for you know that, right? And they accomplished their goal. They left the globe. They left the earth to accomplish something somewhere else. And now we've all got our eyes on Elon Musk and SpaceX as they hope to be the first group, the first people to accomplish interplanetary space travel and eventually colonize Mars. We're all watching to see if they can actually do it. It's pretty amazing to think about. Elon Musk said, in terms of people going to Mars, I think this is potentially something that could be accomplished in about 10 years, maybe sooner, maybe nine years. I need to make sure SpaceX doesn't die between now and then and that I don't die. Every time someone leaves the planet, it is to accomplish something that has not yet been done. Every time someone goes away from the globe, it's because they want to accomplish a goal somewhere else, except Jesus, except Jesus, who left the planet not to accomplish something new, but because he had already accomplished something on this earth. Not leaving, worrying about the dangers of death while leaving the planet, but having already defeated death on the planet. On Good Friday, Jesus defeated death when he died on the cross and he atoned for our sins and he rose three days later. But after he arose from the dead, he stayed on this earth 40 more days and he made many appearances to people who could see him and touch him and eat with him and talk with him. And not only did he see people and people see him, but he also taught the disciples about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And then after those 40 days, the scriptures tell us that he ascended into heaven. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you, it's not space travel. When the Bible uses the word heaven, it's not talking about the skies. It's talking about the heavenly realm, God's presence where Jesus said, I'm going, but you cannot go. And we know that's where he's going because that's what the scripture says. And in Acts 1, it also talks about him being enveloped by clouds. And those clouds are significant because clouds in the Bible always represent God's presence. If you think about the pillar of smoke that led the Israelites through the desert, or even the cloud that descended at the transfiguration of Jesus when God said about Jesus that it was his beloved son, and who he was well pleased. That came from a cloud. And so Jesus ascends into the clouds, not because he's going up into space somewhere, but because he's passing out of the earthly realm into the heavenly realm. He's passing out of our presence into the presence of God the Father in heaven. Well, why? Why? Why leave this earth? Why go to heaven? Ephesians 1 tells us, 
Paul says, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. Then catch this. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right at his right hand in the heavens far above every ruler and authority power and dominion and every title given not only in this age but also in the one to come Jesus ascended to heaven to be seated in heaven he didn't go to stand he went to be seated now, if you've got some work to do, do you sit down or you stand up? You stand up to do work. You sit down when your work is completed. Jesus ascends to heaven to be seated in heaven because his work on this earth is done. What was his work? To redeem you from sin. To provide salvation for you. To secure a relationship for you with a holy and righteous and just God that you could not secure for yourself. So, are you living life with the confidence that Jesus has sat down because his work for your salvation is done? My guess is many of you are living your life trying to redeem yourself, trying to prove something to yourself or others or God, trying to earn your salvation or be good enough to secure your relationship with God, and that is living as if Jesus still has work to do. But he doesn't because he ascended to heaven and he sat down because his work to secure your relationship with God, his work to save you, his work to redeem you is done. Not only that, but he sits down at the right hand of the Father. And so if Jesus' work for you is not enough, the Father can turn to his right and say, Jesus, you did not do enough to save these sinful people. Get back up and go to work. But the Father doesn't do that. The Father accepts Jesus sitting at his right hand because the Father knows that Jesus did everything you need to be saved. And when you trust in his death on the cross, when you repent and believe... You're resting in his finished work. Jesus sat down because the work is done and there's nothing that you can do to add to it, to secure it. All you must do is receive it by faith. That's good news. Do you see why the ascension matters? Do you see why the ascension matters? But it wasn't just that Jesus sat down because his work was done. Where did he sit? At the right hand of the Father. The right hand of a ruler is a position of power and authority. And by Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the Father, it is as if God is saying, here is the king. Here is the one who has power and authority. Which is why Jesus told his disciples, all authority and power has been given to me. Jesus is becoming king. This is not just him ascending to heaven. It is him ascending to a throne in power. To have dominion over all things, as Ephesians says, far above, not just a little bit above, but far above every ruler and authority, every power and dominion and every title given. Someone once said, the tomb is empty but the throne is full. The tomb is empty, but the throne is full. 
In Jesus' leaving the tomb, he, he had victory over sin and death and the devil. But in his filling the throne, he has power and rule over all things. Not most things. All things. He is king. Sinclair Ferguson puts it this way, there is no rule greater than Christ's. There is no authority that can thwart his purposes. There is no power that with, can withstand his, and there is no dominion that can prevent his advance. The ascension to the throne means that Jesus is king over the cosmos. He is the master of the universe. He is the Lord over everything. Everything. This is why our vision statement says we are a blended family of diverse people gathering to worship King, King Jesus. That's not just a little add-on that we throw in. That's who he is. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is King of the cosmos. So what does that mean for you? What's the significance of the ascension for your daily life? I mean, it's hard to really grasp on a hold of what this means for us, but First of all, it means this, and most obviously, there is a king, and I hate to break it to you, but it's not you. <laughs> and it's not me either. There is a king, but it's not any of us. And I want to ask you, can you surrender to the fact that you're not king, but Jesus is? Can you give your deepest loyalty, not to yourself, but to him who sits high and seated on the throne? Can you yield to his rule of your life? Jesus is king, and you are not. But then secondly, Jesus goes to heaven as a king, but what's clear in the book of Hebrews is that he's also a priest. In other words, his throne is a throne of power and might, but the book of Hebrews tells us it's also a throne of grace and mercy for weak and sinful people to approach when they need grace and mercy. And I don't know about you, you but for me, I need grace and mercy Every single day. And I love the fact that Jesus is in charge of all things and his throne is above all power and authority and dominion. And yet at the same time, by faith, I can approach him and say, I need help. I need forgiveness. I need your strength in my weakness. Jesus went to heaven not just to rule and reign on my behalf, although he certainly did for me and for you, but also to represent you in heaven before the Father. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus lives to intercede for you. That means he is your permanent representative in heaven before God. And as one who intercedes for you, it means he's also praying for you and you and you. And I find that hugely encouraging because I don't know anyone who's totally satisfied with their prayer life. I don't know anyone who's actually happy with how they pray about themselves. Like, does your prayer life ever struggle? Do you struggle to even pray for yourself at times? There's good news. Since Jesus ascended to the heavens, he has been praying for his church for 2,000 years. So your prayer life might struggle and your prayer life might stink, your kids might get on your nerves and you forget to pray. You might be spiritually dry or discouraged, but Jesus never stops praying for you before 
the Father because he is your priest and he is your representative. Hebrews 7 says that Jesus always lives to intercede for his people. So when Jesus goes to heaven, he goes as king, but he also goes as your representative, your priest. I've got some questions before. Why, why don't we pray to the saints? And if you come from a Catholic tradition, that's something that the Catholic tradition does. And, and, and here's the simple reason why. Although there have been great people in the Christian tradition, there have been amazing people who have done amazing things, they're still just men and they're still just women. Jesus is in heaven on our behalf and he is no ordinary human being. He is the God-man, the only one who exists who is both fully God and fully man and he has ascended to the throne in power to represent you. He is a man but also God, which means he has all power, and he is God but also man, which means he sympathizes with your weakness because he knows what it's like to be human. And he's more powerful than any human in history and more sympathetic to you than any human in history. And one of the reasons why we pray to Jesus Christ rather than the saints is because I would rather pray to the most powerful one who understands what it's like to be me. He is a priest and yet he is a king. He is a king. He's the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And what's amazing about this king is why he rules and why he reigns. I don't know any ruler or anyone that gets power where it doesn't go to their head just a little bit. Just a little bit. It's almost impossible to get power over other people and not have it go to your head on some level. Look at, let, but look at what Ephesians 1 says to us. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him, that's Jesus, as head over everything for his own glory, for his own honor. Well, that's true, but that's not what it says. For the church. For the church, which is his body. God has appointed Jesus as king, and Jesus rules and reigns for your benefit, for you. He exerts his power, and he deserves all glory and honor, and yet the reason he rules and reigns is to protect you. It's to watch after you. It's to be your king. He is in charge of everything. He overpowers his enemies. He pushes back darkness for us. to care for us, his people, to protect us, his church. He is king for us, for us. Everything is under his authority. Nothing is outside his reach. All power is his. The ascension tells us that Christ is king, and yet he's king for us, for us. So how do you respond to the ascension of Jesus? Well, first of all, give Jesus your loyalty if you have not. There's no one who has more power, and yet all his power and authority he uses for the benefit of the church, the benefit of his people, the benefit of the one he loves, the benefit of his bride, the benefit of his body, New City Fellowship, and followers of Jesus. And so I want to ask you, are you loyal to him 
because he's loyal to you. And he is worth your loyalty. But then secondly, have hope. Our king, my king, your king is on the throne. There is no one in a higher spot of authority than him. And if that's true, what is there to despair over? Life is hard. Life can be depressing. But Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God. And he's coming back to make all things new. And that gives me hope in the darkest moments. But then lastly, confidence. Confidence. Because all power is his all power, and he cares for you. All power is his, and he cares for you. A week ago, my wife and I went to Cuba. We had a little birthday trip down there, and we spent a week down there. It was amazing just to get to go to the country and, and meet many people and talk with people. And we went on several tours, and one of the tours we went on uh, was through um, a part of old Havana that was very impoverished. And the tour guide took us, and she had a lot of friends in this area, and so we got to actually go into people's homes and just become friends. Uh, We met someone named Carmen, who is an elderly woman who sells candy on the streets to kind of pay her bills. We met this really sweet woman named Sylvia who sits in the doorway for her apartment complex and sews. And then our tour guide led us down the street uh, old Havana's got tight streets. She let us down the street, down the, the cobblestone to this door, and she knocked on the door. And the door opened up, and it opened up right into the street. Like, you took one step out the door, you're right in the middle of the street. And this man came out, and he had kind eyes. He was wearing a little hat. And we began to talk with him through translation. And I was halfway through the conversation before I really realized who I was meeting, Because to the right of this man, his name was Alberto, he was very friendly and kind, but he began to point right on the side of his window, there were all these different color beads. And he began talking to me through translation about how each bead provides protection from the spiritual world to him. And I'm sort of having an internal monologue with myself or dialogue about what's happening. And then I I look above his door and there's an eagle's wing hanging over the door. And our tour guide looked at us and said, um, well, Alberto is, and I said, he's in Santeria, isn't he? And she said, yes, yes, he's a Santeria priest. And immediately, I'll tell you honestly what happened, I got very uneasy, and internally, I actually got quite afraid. I got quite afraid because I believe in the spiritual realm. And I believe there are dark forces at work in the spiritual realm. And even though Alberto had kind eyes and was friendly and kind to me, I have no doubt that what's behind a lot of those things are are spiritually dark forces who want to enslave people, who want to destroy people, and who hate King Jesus. And in that moment, I, I began to become afraid, fearful. I wasn't even really listening to what Alberto was saying and the translator was saying because I was just having this internal monologue and being filled with anxiety and fear. And I began to think about myself and going, what is this? Is this going to have any dark effect on my life? Is this going to bring any evil into my family? Is this going to have some sort of darkness come against the church through this interaction? 
and my anxiety built and built and built until the ascension of Jesus came to mind. Until the ascension of Jesus came to mind. When I remembered that my priest, that my king, has ascended to the right hand of God in power. When I remembered that he is far, far, far above all rulers and all authority. When I remember that he has dominion over all things and that he is head over all things for the church. For the church. His people. His body. He's head over all things for you and me. And at that moment, I had a sigh of relief. Not because I didn't think that something dark could come against me but because it could only come against me if my king permits it. And if he permits it, he is good, and I know that I can trust him. I knew that nothing could bring a spiritual attack unless King Jesus allows it because he is in charge of all things. And if they do attack and he does permit it, their power does not compare at all to the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty, the throne is full. Your king has defeated sin and death and the devil. He has ascended to the throne at the right hand of God to rule on your behalf, to reign and to represent you. And right now, he is doing so at the right hand of God. And right now, the king of the universe, his thoughts are on you. And right now, his power is being exerted for you. And right now, his prayers are about you. Jesus is king. Be encouraged this morning that the risen Lord Jesus has ascended to the throne in power, and he rules and reigns for you, his church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we honor and we worship you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And though we believe in your power by faith, we long to see your power exerted in us and through us. And we long for the day when you will return and your power and your authority will not be hidden, but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are the Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, that by your power, we have come into this new life being followers of Jesus together. We pray that you would free the captives. We pray that you would open the eyes of the blind. We pray that sinners might find forgiveness in you. Would you stand with me and sing now?